0: Blog Talk Talk Radio. <laughs>
1: Good evening, welcome to the Sunday, July 7th, 2013 edition of Beyond the Gate Radio. I am your host, David Baker, and my co-host is Sherelle Baker. Welcome, Sherelle, and how are you?
0: Hi, David. I am doing wonderful. Glad to be back on the air. I want to thank all of our friends in chat and the people that will be listening and archive and our callers. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the show. We have a wonderful show lineup up for you tonight and I am glad that the weather out here is no longer over 100 degrees, David.
1: Yes, I know in California, the northern California where we're located, the uh, Northern Bay Area in Marin County is blue skies and probably in, in the 80s right now, which is better than the 100s we've experienced recently but some people have You know, thunderstorms and whatnot. So I suppose we're just very fortunate to have what we have at this time. But anyway, for over three years, we have been bringing you great shows with amazing guests. If you like our shows, press the follow button on the show page. Our shows are also available for free in the Apple iTunes store under podcasts. Or just go to my website, www.mediumdavidb.com. I click on the menu bar for our Beyond the Gate radio page, and you will find a direct link to the podcast there. And actually, I've done all the work for you. Magically, you press that button, and you'll see the shows that you may select from, or all if you wish. Of all the shows I have done, I have rarely breached the subject about the dark side of the paranormal. It is an aspect of the realm of the supernatural, that many people encounter and is often misunderstood. Our guest will explain the difference between the supernatural and the preternatural, and we will be asking him other questions as well. Now let me tell you a little about tonight's guest. Bishop James Long studied for the Roman Catholic priesthood for six years. It was during his years in the seminary that Bishop Long received solid formation both academic and spiritual. Through prayer and discernment, Bishop Long accepted God's call to become an independent Catholic priest. He was ordained a deacon priest and was consecrated a bis- bishop with the old Catholic Church. Since he was five years old, Bishop Long knew that he wanted to be a priest. However, he knew that he was also called to study demonology. And at the age of nine, he began to study anything he could on the subject. Not only did Bishop Long answer God's call to serve as a priest, but he also answered the call to serve the people of God as a chief exorcist of the United States Old Catholic Church. Throughout his education formation, Bishop Long was mentored by a respected and properly formed exorcist. Bishop Long has performed 26 documented exorcism. He has completed a book called Through the Eyes of an Exorcist, which, by the way, I've ordered. I can't wait to read, but I just haven't gotten it yet. And he is also the founder of the Paranormal Clergy Institute, and you can find a link to that on my uh, website as well. The institute was created to help uh, homeowners and paranormal groups by providing information that will help defend against demonic entities. Currently, he serves as a presiding archbishop for the United States Old Catholic Church. He holds a doctorate of ministry, masters of divinity, masters of education, bachelors of communication, theory, and associate of philosophy. Bishop Blanc has appeared on The Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures, History Channel, National Geographic, Paranormal Paparazzi, TV Guide, Coast to Coast, and Sci-Fi Channel. He has appeared in five documentaries and has completed a book called Through the Eyes of an Exorcist, which uh, I just mentioned I had ordered but didn't get before the show. You can purchase his books and find out everything he does by visiting his website, www.paranormalclergy.com, and if you're listening to the show now and on the radio page, look on the bottom of this bio, and there's a direct link to his website. And uh, if we have time, we will take some call callers later, of course. And our call-in number is 760-454-7006. It's also posted on our radio show play uh, page. Now we'd like to welcome our wonderful guest, Bishop James Long. Welcome, Bishop, and how are you doing?
2: I'm doing very well. Thanks for, well, thanks for inviting me. I, I do appreciate it.
1: We appreciate having you here, too. Uh, as we said privately before the show started, that there seems to be an amazing amount of evidence about almost everything paranormal out there, and a great deal of the uh, Negative experiences that people have or perhaps paranormal groups have lately, especially with all these shows on the TV. People think they can pick up after watching the show, get a kid, go out and do something. And then when they encounter something, whatever it is that's really negative, they either can't help the people, they don't understand it, and they can't tell the difference between if it's a uh, mean human spirit or a diabolical infestation or whatever the case may be. It's really, I would say, in my opinion as a researcher and teacher, it's really um, a subject that's not breached often enough and it's really misunderstood. So I wanted to start off by asking you, uh, the Bible mentions angels and the devil, and the, the Quran also mentions angels and the jinn, with a slight difference about the jinn. But I was wondering if you could just explain a little about what a demon is and why they hate humans so much.
2: Well, you know, first of all, there, there's a lot of debate uh, from theologians as far as the origins of demons, and you know some people would say they are spirits of deceased evil people. And that's actually a view of Philo, Josephus, some early Christian writers, uh, even ancient Greeks uh, argue that as well. Really, that's proved false by Scripture, um, because uh, you know, in Luke 16, verse 23, talks about um, what happens to the evil uh, evil people who who choose to, to reject God's grace and do evil. So that's really, honestly, the very essences of a human being and an angel are two different things. So therefore I, I don't believe the spirits of of, of deceased evil people were completely two different essences. Some say it's the spirits of pre adam race uh based on the gap theory between genesis uh one verse one and genesis um Genesis one verse three uh, about the recreation the original creation of humanity and and fell and established spirits of demons but again there's there's nothing uh, biblically at all to to warrant that um, to warrant that explanation, other people say it's the offspring of uh, angels and women, uh, talking about incubus, and and again, really uh, people that, that really is unfortunate that people are are trying to say that because they don't quite understand what an incubus and succubus are and what they actually do, and so therefore the the, the thought that they're offspring of human beings and and demonic entities just. Um, it's based on the sons of God, in Genesis 6, verse 2, where, you know, angels, basically, it was believed to have relations with daughters of men, and they produced right. uh, an offspring. Hmm?
0: Right, I remember reading that, um, but what, what are the differences between the incubus and the succubus? I wasn't sure about that.
2: Well, a demonic entity on the incubus level will attack women on a sexual nature, and a succubus attacks men on a sexual nature, But with offspring of angels and women, or demonic entities and women, they'll say it's Nephilim. Uh, It's because they they say Genesis um, chapter 6, verse 4. You see, they they were demons. So people will try to say that Nephilims were actually um, these offsprings. And and quite honestly, that's, that's, that's not true. Um, at all. And as a matter of fact, there is no indication at all that Nephilims were demons at all. And if you look at the actual translation, the proper translation of Scripture, they were probably seen as heroes or fierce warriors. So the translation is, is, is incorrect. What I believe and makes more sense theologically is they were fallen, uh, unconfined angels who have rejected God's grace, who refuse to acknowledge that, that humankind is created in the image of God. And so that is what I think theologically is more sound than all of them.
1: That, that's very interesting, and I don't mean to get off the track, but since she brought that up, you know, there's a whole cacophony, so to speak, of dark entities which may seem to act different, or people think that it could be an incubus, succubus, a shallow person, or something else, The uh, in the Muhammad belief, they say that the jinn were made from smokeless fire, and they they created, and they ruled the earth, and then God created humankind, and God said, I made some superior beings, you know, you should bow to them, and they didn't want to, so now they're against us, but they believe that there's good and bad jinn. and the Jewish people believe in the deep book, uh, which is similar in nature to that, so it was really quite confusing, but just sticking, not going too far off the track, just coming back to what you, you know, you're know you trained for and you've experienced No, as I said earlier, there seems to be a whole plethora of different types of spirits that some people say that's a shallow person, that's a nasty human being, incubus, succubus, or something else, demonic or whatever. So can you classify them in a category, or are there... Subcategories like is there like in the demonic, for example, like generals and lieutenants and other types of beings that fall under that class? Could you kind of yeah. clear that up with us?
2: Yeah, when you're talking, first of all, when, of course, when you're talking about gen, um, it is believed, obviously, with the Muslim faith that they do exist and they are created by Allah uh, to, of course, do good and do evil. And so, therefore, jins, there are many Muslims who believe that not all jins are evil. And so, however, with, when we're talking about demonic entities, fallen angels who have rejected God's grace, we're talking about uh, entities who wish harm uh, to the very people that, um, that God created. Remember, we're creating the image of God. And I think that people got to understand that we are created in his image. And so, therefore, I think, because we are created in, in his image, uh you have um, angels who have re- refused to acknowledge that and refuse to um uh, to follow the fact that they're here to serve us to assist us now, when you're talking about classification of demons, there are several classification of demons uh until you know that this the first hierarchy well actually on um, uh like I only used to it was this first hierarchy, and then of course the second hierarchy and third hierarchy. Uh, A classification of demons uh, by actual um, i guess uh, like for example Bezebelb Uh there's other there's other demonic entities that are that are coincide with certain things, like witches and warlocks and vile revenges. however, I do not believe that witches are evil uh, i just I just people who who people who who participate in that type of way of life i I just don't go to the um, extreme. There's also a the classification by month, classification by office, so it's very, very detailed. When you start talking about demonic entities, and depending on which classification there is, there's, there's quite a few. There's a lot of theologians out there who try to classify them to try to understand their their ultimate essence. But no matter what you see, and those classifications are good. Uh, we, you know, they're, 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 it explains uh, the or at least it tries to explain the demonic entity's goal or what they try to strive on, uh, what they manipulate, whether it be lust, whether it be uh, alcohol abuse, or whatever it might be. But the fact is, is, in the end, if you forget all the classifications, if you forget all the first hierarchy, second hierarchy, third hierarchy, if you forget everything, the ultimate goal for a demonic entity is to hurt God.
1: That, that and, I agree with,
2: and the way, of course, they hurt God is to hurt the very ones that God loves most, which is us. Which is so us? Therefore, if they if they hurt us, they directly
1: hurt God. That that's it right there. That's it. That makes total sense. Now, I'll be kind of jumping around. I tried to have this to go in a specific order, but as I told you earlier, it could go anywhere. Uh,
0: Led by spirit.
1: <laughs> one of the most common misunderstood things by the general public would be possession. First of all, I don't think that they perhaps know that possession, you know, true, full possession it is rare, even though it can occur, but it's rare, but that they don't realize that there are Well, let me ask you this. Is it true that there are about three stages the devil takes that could lead up to possession, like temptation, oppression, and obsession, and there's different degrees of it, and what is the result?
2: Well, yeah, we are talking about – I've simplified it to a point where a lot of people can understand it, Uh, and and it just makes a lot of sense when you – at least for me, when I compartmentalize these stages of what I have seen – and the stages that I have clearly have seen are infestation and then leading to oppression and that leads to possession now under the stage of, of oppression, that is a very detailed stage it 's not just a simple where it begins to interact and attack the person uh it 's a very it 's far more detailed and and more in depth than what people think now i don 't go into great um knowledge on each one, no matter if I do conferences or if I do radio, and, and here's why. There are far too many people within the paranormal community who now have read books or who have heard, um, you know, whether it be you know, um, a speaker or, speak or whatever it might be, and then they go out and they say that they're exorcists. That really is becoming a major, major problem. So there are some things that really uh, should not be discussed. And so I, I, sure. uh, I think uh, for a very, very basic, basic outline: infestation, oppression, possession. And uh, but I will tell you that when you're talking about oppression, it's a very, very in-depth and quite dangerous stage.
1: I totally believe that. And um, I was on the. A- show one particular time, actually a couple, but this person stated that, oh, yeah, I get rid of demons and this and that, but she couldn't give any background to prove that she was properly trained, and during the show, she said, she tells me that, oh, yes, I usually do the show from here, but I have to go over here to do the show because, I said, because why? And this is before the show starts, because the demons that are in my home are bothering me. Wow. And uh so I'm doing it from a different area. And then all the power went dead and I finally got recontacted back and she said this never happened before. And then we went on with the show, but there was lots of static interruptions and when you listen to the show later you can hear you know with headphones on growling and nasty words and stuff. And this is not the first show that's happened to me on and I'm just saying that, you know, as we discussed earlier, whenever the rare times that I've tried to do something with a show or somebody's told me about they're doing research or going to teach or whatever about it, they seem to get messed with, with these outside influences.
2: Well, I, I think what you have, uh, to be honest with you, and I've been doing this for a very, very long time, and I think what you have and what I have seen is I have seen a, an epidemic Within a paranormal community, and I serve the paranormal community, So, but I have seen an epidemic where there are far too many people who are playing demonologists and exorcists and who have absolutely no training whatsoever, no business, and uh, performing these rituals. None, none at all. And, and yet they're doing it. Here's what, here's what bothers me about this number one, there are people who are performing the solemn rite of exorcism, and they're not ordained, they're, they're, done, they're not a Catholic priest. Now, uh, they're not trained. Now, some people say, well, Bishop Long, that's not fair. You're, just, you're, you're not being inclusive. Listen, the solemn rite of exorcism is not – I didn't write the prayer. So uh, this is not something that I wrote. And people have got to understand, when you're talking about – first of all, when you're talking about the solemn rite, and that's, that is a ritual that is performed on someone who is possessed, validly possessed, the, the very first mentioning of uh, the Solemn Rite was actually uh, written in, po- by Pope Cornelius in 253. Now, and it was a very ancient rite. And even the medieval, medieval rites of exorcism included renunciation of the devil in 1614. Uh, it, it was uh, th- This is it's such an ancient ritual, and the rubrics, the rules of the rite, not rules that I wrote, but rules of the rite state that if you are not a Catholic priest, Violently ordain and train you have no business even reading this ritual
1: wow well, it says and additionally in the in sixteen fourteen didn't they state that um the under the authority of the bishop permission must be gained, otherwise you cannot do it
2: Actually, and actually the first form right of exorcism was written in sixteen fourteen so well, this is a, uh, yes, so you're talking about, and you have to have the, the, the bishops, the, or, or your ordinaries, what they call the ordinaries of uh, permission. And see, the thing is, is what's happening is you have a lot of people who are taking a very ancient ritual, and they're trying to secularize this. They're trying to say, well, you know, I can find it on the Internet, so if I can find it on the Internet, then I'm allowed to do it. Well, no, because you have to read the rubrics first. The rules of the ritual that I didn't write, clearly stated, if you're not a Catholic priest, you have no business reading this ritual. None. Now, that would be like me performing a shamanic ritual. I'm not a shaman. Therefore, I have no business picking up a shamanic ritual. But yet, we're seeing so many people who claim, well, I'm Christian, therefore because I'm Christian, I'm also allowed to do and recite this prayer on someone who may be possessed. And that's just not so. That's true. You
1: know, people just there's a preponderance of information and books on magic and copies of this Bible, and that Bible and Ouija boards and all kinds of things you can buy from Amazon, for example, that you know people are getting and going out and using them, and that's very dangerous and what really some people made an uproar a few years ago when Hasbro released a pink Ouija board for kids. Um, and, and that's very dangerous.
2: Yeah, you know, there's a a pink Ouija board for kids, and I've seen a blue Ouija board for boys. Um, I've seen several things that are um, that, that clearly are trying to reduce it. And of course, you know I understand that me, the makers of the Ouija boards, you know, believe it's just a toy. Well, but the intent of that toy is where the problem lies.
1: I told. That's you- true.
0: That's true. I I agree with that, and then um but like you said it's it's just like you said that even on the internet just even reading that would um you have to be ordained to even even if you, they publish it on
2: the the um internet I'm sorry what was that you have to be what
0: do, do you have to be an ordained bishop or get the permission from the bishop and even if they post it on the internet the the uh the right to read well, it
2: unfortunately the the, the right is, is is published on the internet wow
0: um,
2: and so it, it just it's it, so it, it's easily accessible and uh, that, that's unfortunate so now there are and and because it is it is written there and that's why there are so many people i i got a call the other day uh from a family who was absolutely terrified someone went in uh, claim to be a demonologist, and they're performing the minor right of exorcism. Now, oh, again, there again, we, we, people don't quite understand. A demonologist is not the same thing as an exorcist. A demonologist has no business performing the minor right or solemn right of exorcism because they're not ordained. Uh, so they have no business. And so what's happening is the demonologists, people who are claiming to be demonologists are going a step past what they should do. And, and here's what I always tell people. Demonology or demonologists and exorcists have nothing to do with the paranormal. It's theological. It's not paranormal. And what's happening is people who are within the paranormal community, who are secular, who are not ordained, are taking a theological term and trying to secularize this, like doctor, teacher, lawyer. And that's the the line is crossed. And so it's quite dangerous, and I see it. We get it all the time at the paranormal clergy. All the time, you would not believe how many cases we get on a daily basis from people who went in, claimed to be a demonologist, performed rituals, all hell brokers, and now they're calling us to to help.
1: Yes, that's a terrible thing. Under theology, the preternatural has to do with that particular area. That you are trained under, and others shouldn't mess with, because um you know it takes it took hundreds of years you know for the Catholic Church to understand it through experience and theology and many things. Is there any particular advice you'd have to anybody that thinks that they can learn something that's not trained like you are, for example? You know, how can we tell people don't mess with this? What what type of advice do you have, if any?
2: Here's what I find absolutely fascinating. And that's a great question. People ask me this question all the time. And this is what I always tell them. I, I say, are you are you afraid of great white sharks? I am. And, I am. <laughs> so here's here's my advice. Don't jump in the ocean with them.
1: Good advice.
2: What's fascinating to me is that there are so many paranormal investigators going, doing, crossing that line because they just want to see. They just want to get that evidence. Well, when you get that evidence, what are you going to do next when that entity then comes to your home and provokes you?
0: Thank you. Thank you for saying that because that is the thing that just gets me to know. And I've seen so many. Shows and so many people, and at the end, and I'm sure it's a long process when these even when these people go in to investigate just to see. But even as we see, they at the end they're just saying, Okay, this is what you have, and you know, if you have anything else, just call us without actually helping the family. Number one, and you know, they're just going in to stir up dirt that just drives me bananas.
2: You know, here's what yes, and here's what's absolutely fascinating. What I find fascinating is that people go into places that are that have alleged demonic activity. There's two things I find really just amusing. I'm not amusing, but just like sometimes you have to shake your head just. But one is they go in and they provoke and they demand. They demand the demonic entity show itself, and they're puffing their chest out and beating their chest like the king called and saying, I dare you to do something. I dare. A demonic entity is looking at those people, and a demonic entity is saying, I will show myself to you. When you're sick, when you're ill, when your wife or husband has lost and it loses you, or they leave you, or when you lose a job, or when you're depressed, or when you're anxious, or when you're so down and out, that you hit rock bottom. That's what I'm going to show you. This is who I am.
1: And, and wow. They, they, there's no time limit. they got it forever. They can buy their time and hit you right where it counts, when it counts. And they're intelligent beings not to be messed with. And I'm Absolutely. told that priests, when they're doing an exorcism, they're not to engage the entity either. They're just to continue with the prayers. So, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Um Free-
2: Exorcists who perform this ritual are always, always, for the rest of their lives, they will always be under the stage of oppression for the rest of their lives. Because once you get into this ministry and you come across a true demonic case, then it is now aware of you, and you are now aware of it. You can never close that door. Once you you cross that line, then it will never stop.
1: Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead so you made some good points here which brings to to two questions one is that um you know, on your website you help people and you have lists for people to look at you know to uh think about if they have problems with a person or their property so you no know, i just want to remind the listeners that you know if there's something wrong in your home just don't go run into his website you know look at some facts questions and answers first because i'm saying probably you know 99 out of 100 cases are not demonic and at a great port maybe 10% could be a haunting and maybe that rare 1% could be either a demonic infestation or a possession or something of that nature and because they're truly those types of happenings are rare and You can tell me by how many, which you mentioned earlier, actual exorcisms you've done shows you of the thousands of people who contact you how truly rare it really is. So, for people to check it out before they contact you.
2: Well, absolutely. You know, I've been doing this for roughly publicly about 13 years now. And uh, it, we get emails every single day from all uh, from the Facebook, from because uh, I have several Facebook accounts for the church and for the paranormal clergy, and the emails and my personal email that's gotten out. But anyway, we get so many emails from people, and I, I got to tell you, the amount of emails that we get are it's so overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. I have two administrators for the paranormal clergy. That, that's how that's how much help is needed because we we are there's so much, and Kathleen Lane and Rich Valdez who do an absolute beautiful job um, as administrators for the paranormal clergy. They have a long, long time experience within the paranormal, so they're administrators and they sift through all the emails. And if the emails, they, they, they do their investigation preliminaries, and if the case warrants the Paranormal Clergy affiliates' attention, then they will pe- post that case in our private group. And then our, ca- our, our team goes out and starts investigating. But you know, there's so, I perform 26 exorcisms on people who are validly possessed. And we're not talking about people who are screaming and carrying on and acting like a fish out of water. Uh, we're, we're talking about really true, valid possession. And so I always tell people when someone claims that they are possessed or if they have a demonic infestation in their home, there's one or four things going on. The person claiming to be possessed or have a demonic in their home, they're lying. So they can get attention. Or they truly believe that they're possessed or have a demonic entity in their home, but the paranormal activity can be explained. Or the person has a mental illness. And finally, the last possible option is a person is telling you the truth. Now, I always warn paranormal investigators, you need to pay very close attention to number three and number four. The person has a mental illness or they're telling you the truth. Because if you walk into a uh, into a home where someone is telling you the truth, then you better darn well be ready uh, to take care of whatever's in there. And number three, the third option, if they're mentally ill, that is very, very dangerous. Very dangerous. I used to be a case manager at a homeless shelter. And I had a lot of clients who had schizophrenia, uh, who had disassociate personality disorder. And I tell you, um, a friend of mine had a case one time. She's not a part of the paranormal clergy, but she had a case, and she walked into a woman's home. And she saw all these little holes in the woman's um, kitchen, all these little puncture holes. And there there was hundreds of them. And then she asked the client, she said, why are all these holes in your walls? And a lady didn't pull out a broom, and she had cut the end of her broom off, and she had actually duct taped a huge, gigantic butcher knife at the end of it. And she wow. said, every, every time I see that demon, I stab it.
0: Wow. Yep.
2: Yeah.
1: Extreme. Wow. So, you no. Know, like the case of the exorcist in around nineteen seventy three or so where it's not really a female, they made the movie and it was a male and books written on it with a doctor uh I mean with uh Father Bolden and Halloran sure. and, and other group. Um they said that they wanted to send them to a medical doctor, send them to a psychiatrist to rule out certain things and they stated that um perhaps if a person will could speak an unknown language, or know things that are not possible, or other signs, levitation perhaps, which is rare, or other different things. Uh, are there different signs that an exorcist would look for once they uh, decide that perhaps this person may or may not be uh, possessed?
2: Yeah, and and when you're talking about several of the signs. Um, Certainly when you walk into a place where someone is validly possessed, there is a presence, no question. There's no guessing. You don't have to guess if a demonic entity is actually present. You absolutely know. There is no question about it. The overwhelming feeling of oppression is quite heavy. And uh, then you have other, other stages, which I will not, I will not describe those stages uh, of an exorcism. But I will tell you this, there are absolutely signs to know if someone is dealing with a mental illness versus if someone is truly possessed. I mean, a person who is mentally ill will not have knowledge of future events or hidden things. So an exorcist will do things privately that no one else will know. The exorcist is beginning to provoke. Not provoking by come on demon show show yourself I dare you, but provocation through prayer, and quite often the demonic entity will begin to um, in- mimic, or or make fun of, or become very aggressive, when no one else knows what the exorcist is doing. But the demonic entity will do will know, uh, that the the possessed will have superhuman strength. They will absolutely speak in unknown or strange languages. For example, if I begin to speak the, uh, our, the our Father in Aramaic, I in the you know, um, and, and I, I begin to speak it, it will actually speak the Our Father backwards in, in, in Aramaic. Now so I don't know how to speak the, the Our Father backwards in Aramaic. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even know where to begin to do that, but that's, it will.
1: That's amazing. And people that. Are purportedly possessed have mental problems may go around saying that they are with in fact the actual possessed person may not be sure what's going on because the demonic entities do not want to be discovered, so they try to you know keep it hidden as much as possible until if there's an actual you know exorcism going on when they can't help but be discovered is is that is there any truth to that?
2: Uh, Yes, and when you talk about the stages of an exorcism, uh, that's that's the stages that I I won't go into because as an exorcist, we'll know which stage that they are actually in during an exorcism. And so there are there are several stages in which an exorcist will continue the ritual, and depending on the activity of the demonic entity, and of course the possession of the body, that is when an exorcist will know. Okay, we have to continue this route. We have to continue this route. um, but again, I, I don't, I don't make those known, um, obviously because, as I stated earlier, um, unfortunately, it's, there's a lot of people imitating that they shouldn't. Uh, but there's one thing that they would certainly, a possessed person, I have, I have seen, is uh, smells, uh, the smell of usually rotten flesh. Uh, I used to be a chaplain for a police department here uh, locally, and when someone, you know, passes away, they've been passed they've been-, they've been passed for a long time, when you walk into the, the room, there is that smell that uh, you can never forget. As a matter of fact, there is chemicals that you put under your nose because the smell is, is so uh, horrible. Um, but it- it's very, very similar to-, to that smell, very, very similar. Uh, there's always a reaction to holy relics or, or sacred items. And that's why I tell people, stop throwing holy water around like it's tap water. People are doing that far too often, and that's uh, holy wow. water, considered a sacramental. What's happening is people are just throwing holy water around like it's nothing. Well, if you come into a case, a situation where you have a true demonic infestation, a demonic is present, and you're throwing holy water around, What do you think is going to happen when that holy water, which is a blessed object, comes in contact with a cursed object? You're going to have a clash. Yes. I agree. What are you going to do then? So I just tell people, be be careful about that.
1: Yes, and I'm glad that you're not... I mean, it's always been a dark area, which I can't blame. You know, the Catholic Church wanted to keep it uh, secret. And uh, I'm glad that you're not, um, you know, revealing certain things, Uh, perhaps it's just better that way, because people shouldn't be doing what they shouldn't be doing, and then getting themselves in trouble, and then coming to see you, you know, it's just, some things just need to be kept quiet, and left to those people who are trained to do it properly,
2: yeah, and people sometimes get upset about that, but you know, it, it's kind of like um, they, people people got to understand there are there's training that goes behind these things. And I've had, you know, I've done conferences before, and I'll let tell you how, I've had some very interesting, very interesting experience being in being in the in the serving in the paranormal field. Um, I've had my my slides, my presentation actually stolen, and someone went around. And we using my exact slides in my presentation, and telling people that they are a demonologist and that they are studying to be an exorcist. Um, wow! It's, it's mind-boggling. So I'm always careful about what I say and how much information that I divulge because of that type of activity. It's amazing. Yeah, I could tell you stories that would that would absolutely stun you with my experiences in the field.
1: I I, I totally believe you. And um, I don't know if there's young people listening or not, so I know you or I are not going to go into anything that's really deep that might frighten people. But uh, And I know you'd never do it because you and I both have prof ethics, and, and this could be really scary if you get too deep into it. And some things, of course, you can't really talk about, and I, I understand that and respect that. Now, before I go into some more interesting things, I just want to ask you one more thing. Um, there is somebody that I know that tried to help somebody else who contacted me and a wife and somebody else through a certain website. And they basically said, yes, I uh, played with the Ouija board at night by myself up in my room. Then this entity comes and says that, Oh, I'm your um, spirit guide. You should smoke marijuana for your health and this and that. And basically tricked him into inviting him in. Once that happened, this guy has, you know, had things happen to him that nobody would like to happen when they're in bed, including being roughed up, slapped around and scratched and all these different things. I told, you know, that that's what made me want to get websites like yours to help people. I I couldn't help him, and, and at that time, I, I refused, but said I'd try to find help, and so did the wife. But the other person that I know, who's a great friend of ours, had said, told us that this person was coming over, because this person was staying with us for a while, and I have a special room out in the back, and said, I'm going to help, and I said, oh, no, you shouldn't help that person, and she said, well, I've gotten rid of spirits before, and this is not, and I told her, this is different, she said, let me give it a try, and I said, well, take your cell phone with you, uh, just in case something happens, and I'm not really sure, you know, but anyway, a few minutes into it, I went out there, and this guy was like nobody had ever seen before, he... Stood up, he was angry, he wanted to be helped. Now he turned all red. His face kind of distorted a little bit like I thought I needed my glasses on because it looked like it was changing to a little bit different face. Uh, His eyes, and I'm telling you, the first time I've ever seen it, scared the heck out of me, but, you know, I stopped it in time. His eyes turned solid black. And I told this other person to stop this now and let's get him out of here, and we did. Now, um, she moved to, I don't want to say her name, but to another continent. And sometime after that, she was out horseback riding with friends, and she was thrown off her horse. horse got spooked or something, hit her head on a rock, almost died, was put in a deuce coma, and eventually took time to recover. Do you think that could be a repercussion for her trying to help that person?
2: Oh, absolutely, and I, I think um, what happens, here, here's, here's what people have got to understand something. Um, a lot of people, especially who are not properly trained, what they will do is they will say, now I'm a Christian, and therefore because I'm a Christian, I can go out and cast out demons. And yet they forget about what Christ did to the apostles before he told them to go cast out demons, and that was breathing the Holy Spirit upon them, ordination. And then he said, go cast out demons. What's happening is a lot of people who are, are not properly trained at all, who have no business performing this, they say, well, because I'm a Christian, I have a right to go out and cast out demons. What they're doing is there's a big difference between a deliverance and an exorcism. They're not, they are not the same thing. And I wish people would stop comparing the two because they're not. It's apples and oranges. And what's happening is the people who are – Claiming to be, you know, trained an exorcist and like this person you're talking about. Um, There's a person now going all over the Internet claiming to be an exorcist and claiming to be ordained with this church and that church, which I later found out was a blatant lie. Then says that, you know, this person is a a high-ranking Wiccan priest and then claims to be an exorcist as well. It's just utter nonsense. And, uh, look, you play with fire, you're going to get burned.
1: I believe it. And I believe this person I was talking about didn't claim that, you know, I mean, others probably do, but she was just innocently, perhaps misunderstood the nature of the situation of the person she was helping with and, you know, from her heart thought she could help, but didn't. So that's another purpose of the show. So people, if they feel something's bad, they should not handle it, but refer them to Um, somebody professional.
0: I have a, a response from the person that it happened to. They said that they didn't know that. The, they were wondering whether or not it was a demon because they just thought it was a angry spirit, and that they've had success before just with talking to someone and you know finding out what's going on with the person and helping maybe um, to get the you know to help them with the situation, but. Uh, The person never claimed to be, you know, like you said, David, uh, an exorcist or a demonologist or anything like that, but she really, uh, this person really believes in, you know, like um, helping people find peace and tranquility, kitty cats and rainbows and stuff like that, and and she's very um, angel-based, so that's why... um, you know, when you when you're called to, you know, talk to people about angels, when you're called to talk to people about, you know, the positive things in life, she it was just that she was called to do that. So she was not sure. That's why I'm glad that we're having the show so we could know the
2: difference, you know. So but she was
0: not sure if it was a demon or a she just thought it was just an angry spirit. You know? there,
2: there's, a, there's an old saying that I was taught uh, when I was in the seminary, and the old saying is brilliant, and there was an old monk who taught us this, and he says, you never act with a doubtful conscience because you may allow an evil to occur. And what that means is, is if you go into a situation where you don't know if you're dealing with a malevolent human spirit versus a demonic entity, and you walk in and you're not trained to take care of a demonic issue, then you've walked in with a doubtful conscience. And, therefore, you can allow an evil to occur, which is a person can go under the stage of of possession. So uh, that was a brilliant way that he explained it to us, is never act with a doubtful conscience. You may allow an evil to occur. What happens is there's a lot of paranormal investigators or a lot of people who I have great friends who are psychics and who really want to help out or believe in angelology, just want to help out so they have huge hearts, huge, gigantic hearts, and they want to help. And they feel like they're called to help, but you've got to know the limit. You've got to. I may be called to be a pilot, but who's going to get in a, a plane with me if I'm in the cockpit of a 747 and I've never been trained? Sure. No one, no one's, so just because someone is called to do something, they've got to know their limits. I may, Again, I may be called to be a pilot, but if I'm not trained to fly that plane, I'll never get in the cockpit of a 747 ever. And so people got to understand that even though these people have huge hearts, that's wonderful, and that's absolutely terrific. But when you're dealing with possession or when you're dealing with the possibility of possession, tread very lightly.
1: That makes a great deal of sense, and I believe there's not enough, let's just say, psychic, for example, that teach people how to use their gifts. As heavily said before, you know, they teach you all angels, kitty cats, rainbows, spirit God does not go out and do your stuff. They fail to warn them uh, about protocols, procedures, and protection against the dark and not to mess with it and to refer them to somebody else or whatever. So that thing needs to be changed. But but now that we've said that, could I ask you something, if you're allowed to talk about something that we've all seen on TV? Could we ask you a little bit about, you know, Bobby Mackays on the Ghost oh, Adventures. Bobby Mackey, yeah. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Whatever you choose to tell us.
2: I can whatever you would like for me to um, talk about. I'm, I'm, I can talk about anything you like. I
0: I have a quick question, guys. Before we start on that, um, I'm still commu- in communicate with the person that had the uh, incident, and they would like to know um, from both of you, if possible, um, would would that entity still be attached to them and because um, they still feel that things don't seem to make sense, that they they have, like, uh, anger that's out of character and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, that's, when well, you're dealing with that, you're dealing with oppression. And keep in mind, the malevolent human spirits can attach as well. So it's not always demonic. So malevolent human spirits uh, can certainly attach to a person who's wanting to help. Uh, who has a big heart and who wants to go out and try to assist. But the problem is, is once you do that, you're putting yourself at great risk. And not only yourself, but those people whom you live with or you know, in your in your own home. And so what happens is attachments are very, very they occur quite easily, especially in malevolent human spirit cases where it attached to you and then you go into the stage of oppression where you clearly know that we're talking about not demonic but let's say malevolent human spirit where it actually interacts with, as many people say, your energy or uh, basically very short-tempered, incredibly short-tempered, almost isolating yourself uh, from all your family members and friends uh, to a point where you want nothing to do with anybody and even thoughts horrible thoughts that are coming into your head that you know are not your thoughts. And really, the the one way to... And that's when you're talking about deliverance. See, under those stage, then you're talking about a deliverance can be done. In other words, a, 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 and, and that can be done by laity, which is praying over the person for the deliverance of any form of attachment. But now that's not hmm. possession. That's different than a possession. And, and the person can actually take a stand and... And a way to defeat any type of attachment, or especially if they're very short-tempered or having ill thoughts, is immediately when they're having those ill thoughts that they normally never would. Someone told me that uh, they, they love their animals, that their animals are their children, but after a case, they actually had thoughts of picking up the, their animal and throwing them against the wall. And, and I told them, I said, well, of course, that, that's a very serious issue, and they've never been violent all their life. Never, never once. And I tell them the, 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 the way to recover for that is to immediately realize these are not your thoughts, to take a stand and reject them. Okay.
1: That makes a okay. lot of sense. Thank you for that. That
0: makes excellent sense. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure.
1: Now, you know, it's, we have about nine minutes left. I'm kind of torn between asking you about Bobby McKay's or some interesting case. You know, with only the details that you wish to disclose, of course, about that either fascinated or shocked you or you wanted to well, go do both
2: very quickly. How can you do okay. both and make you happy? How's that?
1: Okay. That's great.
2: Um, I will say this. Bobby Mackey's guy has done Bobby Mackey's several episodes with the Ghost Adventures name. Uh, guys, and, and they're great guys. They're very, very fantastic guys. And I will tell you this. Uh, Zach uh, had been going through pure hell, absolute pure hell in his home. And I, t- I, I talked to Zach. I asked him to go public with some things that are occurring in this home, and he did, to let people know that there are consequences for his actions. Now, I have been working with Zach, and so far he seems to be doing much, much better. I will tell you that everything that they found at Bobby Mackey's was 100% legitimate. I, I no question. I would never – listen, I'm not, you know, I'm not paid by Ghost Adventures. So I, I, don't, I don't get paid for this ministry, so it's 100% free. So there's, there's no real benefit for me to lie at all, zero, because there's, there's, no, there's no financial benefit, there's nothing. And so I will only tell the truth, and I will tell you that 100%, without question, without doubt, I can, ve- I can verify, I can vouch for the activity that we captured at Bobby Mackey's. There were things that they did not put in there because it was so sensitive, so sensitive material that was discovered through EVP work and disembodied voice that it was too, it was too personal to the guys. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, it, it, it became a very personal attack, and even to the point where Zach went down. And so I, was, I will absolutely vouch, because I even had my personal EVPs, and the EVPs were, were very, very aggressive, incredibly aggressive. And a quick story about this. Actually, after we did the minor right of exorcism on the Bobby Mackeys, a group called us two weeks later and was very angry with me because no activity was occurring there because they went to do an <laughs> investigation. Oh, wow. And they got angry, and they started posting all over the Internet how it, you know, they are so upset. And, the, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It's like you're complaining that a great white shark didn't bite you. Amazing. And I will tell you a case that I will, that, that it will always be with me for the rest of my life. She was a 68 year old woman. She was like a grandmother. She was the most wonderful human being in the world. I loved her, loved her so much. She was, but she was going through absolute pure hell. Um, she actually, this was an incubus case, and when I got involved with her, uh, I was, I got to say, this, uh, kind of both orifices, I would say, in her private regions were ripped apart. They were literally ripped, and so she was in the hospital, uh, under wow. doctors' care, and she was admitted and um, because this thing was constantly attacking her on a sexual nature. We actually have a video of her sleeping on the bed, and the bed sheets rise, and they come down, and they rise real high, and they come back down, and she begins to scream because it's attacking her sexually. It would attack her so violently that she she crashed her car. Uh, she could not drive anymore. She said up completely stopped driving. It would literally pinch uh, her very violently uh, in her private regions. And um so we we worked with her and worked with her and worked with her and finally about a year uh she was free from all, all this activity, but you know, she passed away. But she lived a, a a year without being attacked. And it was it was a very violent, vicious attack.
1: That is really the worst of the worst. That's amazing. You know, this is real, it's been documented not just in recent time but for centuries. And uh, by, you know, very credible people and some people that play around with it in the wrong way, isn't it true that depending on how deep the entity might be in a possessed person to the point that it may be fully possessed or for a long time, which I know is rare, is it true that some people just, you know, can't be exercised, it's too late or could they die from it? You know, could you just touch on that a little bit? The
2: possibility of a person expiring in full possession is absolutely very high because the demonic entity will not allow substance of life to enter the body, which is food and water. And so often the person who is in full possession uh, never gets relief from the possessed state, and therefore they die primarily from dehydration and Uh And so th- that's different than transient possession. where the demonic entity enters and leaves the body at will. And so that's that's completely different. But, yes, the person, the, the possibility of a person expiring is very high. That's why you have to have a medically trained personnel there during an exorcism. And you have to have, of course, a psychological evaluation performed prior to even, even thinking about performing an exorcism.
1: Wow. That makes a lot of sense. I just want to remind everybody out there that's listening to Bishop James Long tonight that this gentleman here, this is his calling, and he spends a lot of extra time helping many, many people, whether through actual help or advice or whatever. This gentleman is not a member of the traditional Roman Catholic Church where he's provided for with everything. The gentleman is a member of the old Catholic Church, and he has to pay for everything himself. So he is actually going out of his way to help others, and he's not even getting paid for being on the show tonight. I just had to say that because, you know, I wish there was more people around like you.
2: I, you know, I really, I really, really appreciate that very much. I, I, I do, and um, I just keep doing what I, what I do, and I'm very passionate about this, and I will tell you this quickly. Uh, I, I have a lot of, you know, education behind me, and I'll tell you, I spend about 60 hours a week on this every week, and if I did not know for a fact possession occurred, I'd be doing something else with my time. Um, so, but it's a passion, it's a calling, and the only thing that I can do is answer the call and keep serving, and uh, that's what I'm here for.
1: Well, well, thank you very much, Bishop. I appreciate that. Now we're getting short on time, so now it's my time to ask you not only to say whatever you know if you feel you wanted to say that you didn't have the opportunity to, to previously on the show, and is there any is there any uh, events or any announcements you'd like to make as well?
2: I am going to be coming, uh, doing an actual class uh, on demonology. It's a very, very in-depth uh, two-hour uh, uh, class on possession and demonology, and that's actually on my Facebook page. I'll be posting it up, and that's on Facebook.com forward slash paranormal clergy. And so that's going to be probably one of the most in-depth classes that I've done in a very long time.
1: Great. Yeah. That's great. That's good. At least you're giving somebody an education, and I know they'll be trained properly.
2: Uh, Absolutely. And go to Mid-South. Go to Mid-South Conference in Louisville, Kentucky. Keith Age, I'll be there chatting for folks and, and actually offering mass on Sunday as well, so don't forget that, folks.
1: That's good. Now, at Mid-South, there's, what kind of events could people expect to uh, participate in once they attend that?
2: Well, there's all kinds of speakers. There's, there's vendors. It's August 2nd to the 4th. It's in Louisville, Kentucky. They go to uh, louisvilleghs.com, louisvilleghs.com. They can find all kinds of information there. I mean, it's tons of information, a lot of fun. It's in Louisville, and I'll be giving a speech there
1: too. Thank you, Bishop. God bless you, and thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. It's been uh, one of the most amazing shows that we've ever done, and we have hopes, perhaps in the future that we we might have you back if you had the time or would be willing to do so. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, sir.
0: Thank you so much. Thank Thank you for everything. My pleasure. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. Well, everybody, there you have it. There's our show tonight. We don't often put out this type of Information, but we think it's critical that everybody realizes that there are some areas that we don't understand that maybe we should not be messing with and go get advice from somebody else that's experienced in it. Anyway, thank you for listening to Beyond the Gate Radio tonight. We thank you all for listening, tuning in. I'm your host, David Baker. I'm saying good night. And from my co host, Sherelle Baker, good night. And
0: don't forget the kitty cats and rainbows on our next show.
1: That's right. Bye now.